2: This episode is brought to you by GigPro, the staffing solution for businesses and workers in the hospitality industry. Check out gigpro.com and download the GigPro app today.
3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Culinary Call Sheet. I am your host, April Jones.
1: And I'm your co-host, Darren Bresnitz. And we're so excited for you to be joining us for our very first episode for anyone who is interested in learning about all aspects of food and video, whether that's for TV, social media, online, or just something you want to do for fun and help people who just want to either know about the industry or make shows themselves. Give them a little little insight to how, how it all gets put together.
3: So we can uh, dig in a little bit to our history with culinary media. You have a rich one, I know.
1: Yes, because you and I have both been in this. I know that I'm coming up on about two decades. Same. And it has evolved so much from something that was maybe a quaint, funny job that we would tell our parents and parents' friends that we worked on cooking shows to now this huge industry that is everything from the original of the Food Network and PBS and the Cooking Channel. To places like Netflix and HBO Max and Amazon Prime that didn't even exist when we got started.
3: Well, before food TV, for me, there was reality TV. But getting my break in food TV, it was actually due to a one Mr. Bobby Flay. Shout out. Yep. Shout out to Bobby Flay. And shout out to Bobby Flay for real. Yeah. He's been such an icon and landmark force for the Food Network for so many years. Um, I call him the quarterback because I feel like people just either love him or hate him, but no matter what, everybody's watching. And Bobby really watched me and looked out for me and gave me my first big break in food television, giving me my first role as a director ever. Yes. Um, I... Moved through his company, Rockstream Productions, uh, first by starting as an associate producer, an entry level producer position, through producer, director, as I just mentioned, supervising producer, and showrunner, um, and then took that experience to expand into other genres like travelogue and documentary. And Rockstream Productions was a really great place to meet a lot of people, which is actually where you and I met. We worked in the same offices.
1: We worked in the same office. You know, it's so interesting to hear your journey into Food TV because not that it wasn't a goal but it was just like oh I didn't even know it could be a career I mean the idea of working in food outside of a restaurant at that time was just so nuts and I remember I was living in Boston I had I was going to the comm school at BU Go Terriers I was in the communications program and I had fallen in love with the original Iron Chef and that's when the Naked Chef came out. And I wound up opening up the phone book at the time and calling the one show that was listed in there, the Fan Gourmet shout out to the Andelman brothers and just getting an internship. And that was 2001. And I haven't looked back. Totally.
3: I mean, food is a crux for so many larger things. And that's why it's really great to have Marcella Valladolid on our episode today.
1: You know, what's so impressive about her career. She's an Emmy-nominated celebrity chef and TV personality, most known for her 10-year stint on the Food Network, as well as literally doing countless other media appearances as a host, judge, general culinary badass on a multitude of networks and platforms.
3: And today's episodic theme is From the Big Guys to DIY, and that's what Marcella's done. She's taken this beautifully diverse and wondrous career in a traditional sense. And now she runs these hooking classes with her sister in her house, has complete control of her content, full DIY style. And she's really changed the game. She has changed how she accesses her audience, what kind of stories she can tell, and the medium with which she does that. And it's really impressive to see.
1: Yes. I think what we've learned or what we've seen and what we hope to show is that there is no one way to do it but hopefully we'll show you how to do it. And more than that, we'll get the experts in the field who have really done it and have let us, let us talk to them and and sometimes work with them, show how they did it. Like our guest today, Marcella, just, you're like, I just want to hang out with you.
3: I'm lucky enough to have worked with her to be a friend with her. She is a keeper of many of my secrets, but luckily she is willing to share her secrets.
1: Yeah, we have a great conversation. Uh, We dig into her history, we dig into her evolution, we dig into her finding her her own voice. We hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone.
4: Hello, Marcella, welcome. I'm excited to be here. I'm nervous, but I'm ready to talk about everything.
1: Well, it's a mix of storytelling because we want to hear your story, but also a bit of how this industry works the how and why you've, you've been able to do what you've been able to do.
4: Listen, I want to know how it works.
1: <laughs> See, there's a lot of people who love food TV, love culinary media, have no idea how to get involved.
4: Totally. I'm so active on my Instagram. I consider it my family, like my familia. And they ask me so many questions about this, running this website or this blog or this Instagram, and they want to get into TV. Yeah, you have pivoted a lot. I'm like, listen, I have no idea. Like, all I can do is like tell you my story, which is like 20 years ago, which is like we're on a different planet right now. It's a different beast. (laughs) There's a lot going on. Yeah.
1: I think a lot of people look to someone like you who's had such a varied career. You did a decade on the Food Network. You've now been doing your own videos, your classes. You have built this network. Yeah. Did you essentially go, I see this life. I see this, you know, being a part of this world and I want to- I want to be in front of the camera.
4: Okay, great question. I had um, very little interest in doing TV. I didn't even want to be a chef, honestly. I was studying architecture. Like that was my thing. Um, It all started with this one, actually this one event. My aunt, who opened one of the first culinary schools in Tijuana, um, I was actually a student of architecture. She gave me a summer job. So I basically helped her out in the kitchen. I came from a huge family of very, very, really incredible cooks, but it just wasn't like me. And back then, like the Food Network was starting and they had like the old school, they had like Emeril Lagasse, like some of Martha's shows, David Rosengarten, like it was like way back in the day, obviously in the beginning. And I was like, listen, why don't you send a tape of you cooking VHS? Uh, And maybe they'll have you like on one of the shows. And she's like, okay, great. Don't even ask me why we came up with this idea, but we did.
1: I mean, that's amazing.
4: Um, her English isn't great, wasn't and isn't great. So she was like, well, you do it with me. And I was like, of course. And we did like this whole, we hired a videographer. He taped the thing. He edited it. Like, And the Food Network did call back, but they said they wanted me on as a guest, not my aunt. mm And of course, she was like, dude, go like, God bless, like, go do it. She's my biggest supporter. And I literally flew myself out and I was a guest on David's show. After that, I just stayed in touch with the network and they kept invited me, inviting me on for things. And I tested for them literally for like eight years until they finally I had did three screen tests before they finally gave me the show. And that's how it started.
3: What were some of the things that you had to learn or adapt to that were different, things that people might not know? For example, I know that when we made Mexican easy, we always had to do recipe planning and plan your recipes accordingly to a television script. We had culinary walkthroughs. What are
4: some things that you would say you had to really learn once you started making culinary media? Right. I think the most important thing or what has given me most success, and I'm I'm finally good at it now, 25 years later, who would have thought, is really, really, really understanding your food, which sounds like, well, duh. (laughs) Yep. But honestly in the beginning, and this might be not somebody else's story, but a lot of the times I would wing it, April. (laughs) Like I would, I would be like, oh, this is like my salsa recipe, like whatever. But like you said, like there's so many bits and pieces. Yeah. Like the way you write the recipe, the accuracy of the recipe, that it's a reliable recipe, Mm. that it's the right times, the right temperatures. Like the way to make it easy for you is to truly internalize those recipes. Like unless they become second nature to you, there's no way for you to relax enough to jump into that space of authenticity. It took me a really long time to learn that. And this, I try to explain it to my sister, Karina, that does the show with me. I'm like, I don't think you understand that I'm doing a live cooking show for 90 minutes. We finish at exactly 90 minutes. There has been zero mistakes in the 18 classes that we've done. I'm like, I don't think you understand that it's the fact that I've been doing this for 20 goddamn years (laughs) that you're like, oh, this is so fun and so easy. (laughs) Oh, what a novel thought. I'm like, no, dude, there's 25 goddamn years of me literally figuring out this perfect dance for us to get from beginning to end. With zero setbacks or mistakes.
1: (laughs) I think that's great.
4: (laughs) Like it took a really long time for me to understand. Like in the beginning, I was so nervous about the actual recipe that Marcella was like, it could have been anybody teaching you that recipe.
1: How long did it take for you to really feel comfortable about your voice and also being I don't want to say authority, but being the one who is the professional teaching people at home how to cook. Because in many ways, with representation on the Food Network, how did you balance, this is how I cook, this is how I'm going to teach people, and this is what I can share from my life with people who want to learn this type of food?
4: I think in the beginning, what the Food Network tried to do is put all of Latin America under like one little show it does feel like a really small community, like a really small pool of people where they're choosing from or picking uh, talent from, which is like so frustrating because it's not re- a reflection of what is happening in the talent that actually exists. Mm. I didn't see myself represented. I didn't see anybody making like the tostadas that my mom made when I was a kid. And I remember when I came, I was, I said, all I can give you is Mexican food. I'm not going to make fucking chimichurri. I'm not going to make paella. You know what I'm saying? Like, if 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 I'm gonna do this, I can only give you Mexican food. That's all I can do for you because that's all I know. I'm a very studious person. Like it was very easy for me to figure out what Food Network wanted, regardless of what was authentic to me. Mm. I was like, they want a happy, peppy Mexican person. Okay. They want uh, very doable Mexican recipes. Mm. They want recipes with ingredients that you can find on the U.S. side of the border. They want them under 30 minutes because that was the jam back then. Like, forget about my 30 ingredient mole. Um, it was very easy for me to adapt. And that those were the requirements. Right. And there was no part of me that was like, oh, I am only going to cook mole <laughs> with lard and with chiles from chihuahuas from Oaxaca. And, and I was like, I'm just going to do this because this is the way to get this done. And this is the way to get me paid. And this is the way to, to get a show on the Food Network. I think that it's always been that way, right? They want you to be able to access people in the middle of America and all those fun things. And I think that's why Mexican Made Easy did well. Like we did, we, well, we did four seasons. And I go to the open market in Tijuana, the Mercado Hidalgo, to get like all my fresh chiles and stuff. But maybe later in the day, I'd be like at the Vaughn's or the Ralphs getting my ingredients. So it was very easy for me to adapt to truly say, Yeah, I'm Mexican, but I'm also American at the same time. And I think that's what was really helpful in the beginning. So I think in that sense, it was very easy to see me as authentic and approachable from either side. What was uh, the thing that made you pivot?
3: Because I know you worked for all these big shows and now you have started your own sort of thing. You
4: have like your whole own movement happening. To be honest with you, like I have never enjoyed the process of being on television. It makes me really nervous. Um... I fight really hard with myself to maintain myself in an authentic space. Uh, I am constantly trying to remind myself to not uh, be who I'm expected to be or overly – I start sounding like Minnie Mouse. Like I – yeah, I found all of that very difficult. But I think what happened was I was let go from the kitchen and then I was doing another show for the network that I walked away from. Well, okay. Okay. Like I walked away from the network, basically. I said, "Um, I am grateful, but I cannot do this anymore. And it's not even so much that I had an issue with how I felt I had to adapt my personality and give them the recipes that they wanted or give them this uh, persona on camera. Like it wasn't even what they were asking of me. I was just exhausted. I was exhausted. I was exhausted of 10 years of the network. I was exhausted of the food and wine festivals. I was exhausted of dealing with the same people for 10 years. I was exhausted. I mean, you know yourself. And like I said, it's so weird because somebody can listen to me like, how ungrateful. I'm just giving you like my real story. It's not because they were bad or good or I was bad or good. I was just like, this cycle in my life is over. Like I am done. I am really, really done with everything that has to do with dealing with the same people, with the same company, with the same structure, with the same formula. I just needed something different. And having the courage to walk away from that last show um, really forced me for the first time, probably in like 15 years, to be like, oh, now what? Now I got to reinvent. And now I got to come up with something. So like once you left the network, how did you know what was next? I didn't. It was very scary. I think I was just at a point, and I think it has to do with age, I'm 43 years old, and I think I was just desperate to be in a job or in a place that involved my my food and my culture in just an authentic way. So I saw that being on TV was obviously going to be a vehicle that was going to get me all my other stuff, the shit that you really like to do, which is developing products, um, creating cookbooks, creating content, and... I realized that you can absolutely put on a fantastic interactive cooking show done all, you know, via computers with a couple of cameras, whatever we could do zoom like that and really inspired the whole thing that happened afterwards. And so I needed to find a format in a way to, you know, give people my content without that whole that for the most part of my career have been overly produced cooking shows But at the same time, there's a tremendous amount of gratitude and understanding that if that didn't exist, the other stuff didn't exist either. So let's talk about that, because now you're running your own DIY media
1: project. Yeah. You learned a lot during your time at Food Network. Did that give you some of the confidence you needed to leave and start your own thing to know how to write recipes, produce camera angles, things like that, what people responded to? 1000%.
4: I learned all of the terms. I learned how to develop a recipe I learned how to choreograph a show. Like we we need a wide shot. We need an overhead shot. We need, you know what I'm saying? Like to be succinct with your thoughts and the way you explain a recipe, like all of those little things definitely became second nature to me. And it's, that was 10 years on the Food Network for sure.
1: Let's talk a little bit about Getting your own studio and your own classes up and running, what went into it? What were the costs? What did you do to set yourself up for success for your own shoots?
4: Well, I'm shooting in my kitchen, so there's no studio. So that's what's great about it is the, the overhead cost is like very, very small. We do have a production crew that's only three people. Um, How did I set myself up for success? I think, like you said, I just took all the important bits and pieces that I learned from the Food Network of what made a show work, like we shoot with three cameras. We started with just two. And eventually I asked for the third one because people really wanted to see me plate and chop and do all of those things. We have an overhead shot, we have a wide shot, and then we have a close up on my hands. And that's it. Lighting was super important to me that they could see the ingredients that they could see the food. I have all of the ingredients and then some and that's also super important. Like in a cooking show, as you know, April, You have to be ready for everything. You have to have the whisk and the spatula and you have to be prepared with every single pot, every single pan, every single piece of equipment, every single everything in case you need it. Yeah. Like that's such a huge part of it to build yourself an environment that you feel supremely comfortable in and that you know where everything is. This is part of it for sure. So many times, April, on Mexican Made Easy, I would forget where shit was in those doors that weren't my kitchen. Like I would open one. Oh, this is not it. And this is like it was just you know. I was trying to figure it out as I went. <laughs> yep, and that's what's remarkable about being able to do this now. That that yeah. it's all of those years of doing those shows that definitely gives me a really, really good understanding of what pacing needs to look like, whether it be live for the Today Show or Good Morning America, or like it gave me a really, really good understanding of pacing. And I think that's one of the most important things that you learn when you do these things. Yeah. But because it's my kitchen, everything's already there. What are some of the things people would be surprised to know? Um, I actually toggle my camera like Uh, because the switchboard is right in front of me, I say, we're going to camera one, we're going to camera two, we're going to camera three. Like that's how much control I need to have. That's what I'm saying. Like I just needed to create a space for myself where I had full control about how the show was going down. And because it's in my kitchen, oh my God, that's why these classes have been so successful because it's literally taking place in my heart and soul, which is my own actual kitchen.
1: What are the stories? What are the recipes? What are the things that you're embracing that you feel that you can do on this show that you couldn't do anywhere else?
4: Being on television, they had no idea what Mexico was or who we were or how we ate. And honestly, that's very much what fuels me now. Did you see this as a vehicle for representation or what were your other goals? My goal in all of it I wasn't even thinking about it as representation. I think that's like a newer word. Honestly, in my head was like, like the world just, they need to know how fucking cool we are and how amazing our food is and our art and our textiles. And my grandfather would put on the most elaborate, gorgeous, like dinners and tables and everybody was so dressed up and it was so beautiful. And I was like, people need to understand um, that this is what it is. So it was more like ego and... Um, more like a, you, you just have no idea sort of situation. Like that was my goal. And thank God for social media, man, because it was very, very clear what my following wanted for me. I would literally ask them, what do you want me to cook? What do you want me to make? Before COVID, I was like, oh, I'm not going to go live. Like I'm on the Food Network. I'm too cool for that. Um, but COVID really gave me no choice. And I got, honestly, super comfortable with it. I got super comfortable with being live, with talking to to my followers directly, with talking about so much more than just food, with connecting with them on a totally different level. Um, And that just made it really, it was just a really easy and organic progression to do the live Zoom classes. How are you doing that differently? Okay, great question. What's remarkable is that we sell close to 1400 tickets per show. And all of that is done through my Instagram and my newsletter. And we have a formula that we follow every single time we do our live show. How did it get started? It just literally got started with me telling Karina, like, we're going to do this live thing. We're going to do it for Thanksgiving. We're going to sell that. She's like, we can sell the tickets through Eventbrite. I've done events before because she's a motivational speaker. So she had a lot of thank God, experience with Eventbrite and Zoom. So that was an instrumental part of this. Actually, if she had not agreed to take full charge of that part of the business of that part of the show, I would never agreed to do it. Because from the very beginning, she said, I will handle all of the logistics when it comes to Eventbrite and Zoom. And, And I said, I will handle all of the cooking, all of the culinary, all of the production of the show, the breakdown of the show, the timing, the ingredients, the cooking. I handle all of this. You handle all of that. So that was really important that you get the right people to do the right things. Right now, in terms of what am I cooking that I couldn't cook before through Instagram and the magic of social media, I can literally ask them one day and have a menu the next. Like, I will literally pull them. I will cook Philip dinner and I will post it and I will be like, do you guys want this for the class? And if 90% of the people say, yes, that's my recipe for the next class. Like there's no, no hay duda. Like there's no question about what will be interesting to them or not, because I have such a direct relationship to them and the tools of Instagram. I pull them constantly. So We created this formula and the formula was we will do the live cooking show while we're doing the live cooking show. Those students get a link to the next class. So they have 24 hours to purchase at like a special price. And then within 24 hours, we send the newsletter and then by then the tickets are sold out. But all of that was carefully thought out. I pulled everybody to understand what time of the day works for them. We realized what price range people wanted to stay in. Like it took some research to get to that like sweet spot that we're in now. Um, but apparently we came up with the formula that works.
1: So let's say I'm, how do I find my own culinary story? How do I find a way to make what I want to cook and stories I want to tell be unique, represent the dishes and the stories I want to share and have people connect with that?
4: Well, see, here's the thing. Before you embark on any career, be it culinary or whatever, you really have to do a deep dive inside to figure out who you are. And as cheesy as it may sound, like I did this for myself. I sat down and I wrote down literally a list of the things that make me me. Not better or worse, but me. Like I'm the kid from Tijuana. I would cross the border every day. I speak fluent English and Spanish. I trained uh, in Ritz Escafé for Paris. Like I wrote down all of the things and I was like, I need to build a career where all of this is centered. And in the center was Marcella, like the things that made me uniquely me.
1: Yep. I got you
4: until you own that life experience and who you are and where you come from it's like you're navigating on this like really superficial level and people can sense bullshit from a mile away and it's not until you take that like deep dive that people really connect to that authenticity i didn't realize you were going to take us to church you know what i'm saying (laughs) sorry sorry i always like to say any negative experience that i had like i'm not issuing blame on anybody, but myself for any negative experience in food and food television with the network with anybody else. Um, So that's that goes back if you want to be successful. And by successful, I don't mean making money. I mean, truly finding joy in what you do every day. You need to know who you are and like have your voice. So I want none of this to come off as like, oh, I had a bad time here. I I had nobody did anything to me. I did everything to myself. And until I own that, it was so
3: hard for me. Do you feel like you're redefining the way that people can tell their stories through food?
4: I think so. I think by including so much of my true self into the process of cooking, like it's not it, it, food is almost secondary to what to what is happening here. You know, food is almost um, yeah, it's a part of it. But the, the, it, in a holistic way, it's just so much more than just the food.
3: Can you talk to me a little bit about Casa Marcela and everything that you're doing right now?
4: Yeah. Casa Marcela is just the the brand under which all of this stuff kind of operates. So I'm doing the zoom classes, you know, until they stop asking for it. Um, I'm super excited about the Housewares products that are coming. Everything keeps selling out, which is an awesome problem to have. So we haven't been able to keep anything like permanently on the site because it's gone within a few hours. So God bless everybody that's buying, um, the products. They're so beautiful. Um, So working on developing a tabletop line that can now be mass produced by a company in Mexico that's still considered artisanal, which is huge. So building that sort of, I don't know, like that Mexican Martha Stewart empire that I've always kind of envisioned for myself. I think that's what I would say is Casa Marcela. I actually have a kid's bilingual cookbook. And then my cookbook based on the um, cooking classes is coming out in 2023. Um, As much as I say that I don't like being on camera, I'm still actively pitching television streaming projects. Yeah, I think that that's enough
1: for for the moment. I think that's great. (laughs) I think that's, that's a busy day.
3: And I mean, you've done a lot of different things you've shared of yourself. I know you've really talked about age and being a parent and like showing your family and exposing all these things. I think that that's been really helpful for a lot of people. And I wonder if you think that those
4: different parts are attributed to your success. I think so talking about my sobriety talking about my 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 failures and successes as a parent talking about my relationship talking about um just everything not I mean and I'd say this all the time listen you guys are getting about 3% like 97% is still mine and I'm never going to share it with you and I feel no need to share it with you but I am fine with certain parts being out there and I think that tiny bit is enough for me to make really really strong and real connections with the people following
1: I think a lot of people look to someone like you who's had such a varied career and and would ask the question, if I want to be in front of the camera, is there one right way or do I just build my own way with what I have at hand?
4: It's a hard question because there's no answer to that. My experience is incredibly unique. You know what I'm saying? Like I've have found so much success in the last six months. So more than ever in terms of the exposure I'm getting on media, in terms of the money that I'm making, in terms of the joy that I'm experiencing in my heart, which is the most important part. Like I, I, and all of it has to do with just having the courage to have said, okay, there's a different path, but I don't know what the formula it is it is to get there. Like I think it's rooted in authenticity. I think it's rooted in courage. I think it's rooted in being really self-confident, which was so, that was my hardest thing. I was very insecure, but I love what you said about it being a different path, because I think that's what's been inspiring to the people that follow me that are interested in food for them to say, oh, she's create, she's doing this model that doesn't even exist and she's finding success there. And I think Especially these days, especially because there's Zoom, there's so many streaming platforms, there's YouTube, there's Instagram, like there's so many different ways now um, that instead of being like, you know, overwhelmed and thinking that it's so competitive to me, it's just like, oh, it's just so many more ways to be successful, honestly. So I think it's just important to kind of stick to your guns and do what makes you happen, whatever doesn't make you
1: crazy. It's not worth it, man. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to be in, you got to be in on yourself before you do any of this. So we have a section called "Little Takeaway. These are fast answers. Do you want to kick it off, April?
3: Sure. Um, what's the weirdest thing you've ever experienced or had to make on set?
4: At the recipe test kitchen at Bon Appetit magazine, where I accidentally processed the paper that you wrapped the goat cheese in, in with the goat cheese patties that I was making and all the food editors ate it. So, And that was 25 years ago and I still remember it. So that was the worst.
1: What's the most surprising thing you ever experienced or learned from being in food TV? Uh,
4: I would have to say it was Jeffrey Zakarian. That guy can cook. It was just really surprising and amazing to learn from Jeffrey Zakarian. That's the answer. What is a never fail to impress recipe that everyone should make? Ah, tortillas from scratch. That's an easy one.
0: What
1: is the one kitchen item you can't live without?
4: Knife. You don't need anything else. What is your favorite city to eat in?
1: Tijuana. What is something people would be surprised to know about you?
4: I won a car on The Price is Right.
1: (laughs) I did. It happened. What is your favorite snack that you're embarrassed about, but you love? Oreos. Uh,
3: (laughs) What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received?
1: Know your audience from Martha Stewart. What is some good advice you would like to share?
4: Know yourself before you can know your audience. Mm. I would say use your voice to my community because culturally we tend to take it from everybody else i would say use your voice what advice would you give your younger self it's all going to be okay don't
1: worry so much there it is i'm so excited i mean i now know a ton about you although we've never met
3: and i'm just so glad that we were able to have you here today it has been wonderful thank you for sharing your knowledge your story your history with us and we look very forward to seeing what else you have cooking up marcella
2: GigPro is the solution to the restaurant staffing crisis. We're offering businesses the chance to instantly fill their shifts and food and beverage pros the chance for better wages, more flexibility in their schedules and benefits. If you're a business, go to gigpro.com, create your free account and post the shifts you need filled. If you're a hospitality worker, download the GigPro app, create your profile, start applying to shifts and start getting paid. We know what hospitality businesses and workers need because we spent decades working in the industry ourselves. If you're tired of wasting money on broken recruiting tools or sending your resume into the void, you owe it to yourself to give GigPro a shot. Whether it's a couple shifts or a full-time hire, GigPro lets you 86 the broken staffing status quo and embrace a better future. What I love about this particular
3: episode and this interview with Marcella is yes, a lot of people look to TV as the end all be all for like your culinary path. What I love is that she showed that she could reinvent it by things that we all ended up using anyway. We've all been on Zoom. We've all been on Instagram Live. We've all been utilizing our social media and remote workplaces in a way that we never have before. And doing that found her the most success. Like put yourself out there. Use all the avenues, use the YouTube, use social media, use anything you have, but know who you are and that will translate.
1: But Marcella, what's so great about her is that she's also a producer. And I think the best talent eventually becomes a producer, not just in namesake, but in ownership of the show and understanding what is needed to make a successful stuff, to prep the culinary team, to make sure that the camera team knows what they're shooting and things like that. It only comes from day in, day out, doing the work that teaches you the fundamentals and understanding those core responsibilities of putting up a food show and then taking that and evolving it into your own thing. Absolutely.
3: I think that's why we really wanted to do this series. A lot of people will say, just, you know, pick up a camera and follow me. And you're like, oh, no, you have to know your food inside out. You have to know how to break down a recipe for your television breaks. You need to know what your conversation pieces are that feed into that. There's so much that goes into a series. There's absolutely influence and notes and feedback from so many people in order to shape the project that you're working. But knowing who you are and what you're doing as intrinsically as possible will always help lead to your success. And when you have a talent who truly understands that, well, then their possibilities are endless.
1: It's always so tough to sit back and be like, how did they get there? How do I get there? It seems like it just happens overnight. But it's not. And that's the beauty of her story. Like She, she wasn't even planning on being in this. And for her to talk about seeing that development and being a star and being able to find her voice and really ultimately having the opportunity to say, "Like I'm going to keep refining and keep finding like what's authentic to my journey was something that didn't even exist. Everyone's just like, oh, let's just make, it's more broad strokes because we're appealing to more broad people. And now people are saying, no, I want something more specific. I want these smaller stories. I want to know more about culture specifics when it comes to food.
3: And she's really, really, really nailed that. Like she has such a huge following because she's being herself and those that stick around see themselves reflected.
1: If I'm tasked with creating a new show or working with a new town or something like that, I know I could start with the food. <laughs> I know that I could say, like, we have a recipe, let's make a recipe, we have raw ingredients, then we have a finished product, and this is how we're gonna be able to tell the story. And looking at someone like Marcella, who is you've worked with and is such a great host, but also producer, I was like, this is this is like master level. This is like master level of like finding the ingredients, finding the stories, connecting with people, creating community, and creating something completely unique. And she gave us a little bit of the roadmap, and it's a beautiful thing.
3: And I love that she talked about testing through her audience, through that community and giving them the opportunity to choose what they want to see, though it's all authentic to her. It's what she's doing anyway. And she gets to create this dynamic with a mass group of people. And it's so separate from what we know traditional culinary television to be.
1: And it sort of goes full circle to, to what we talked about in the beginning, which is what drew us and would draw so many people to working in food TV, and it's it's the access to community through food.
3: Absolutely. As we go further into this series, we'll learn a lot more about how people are making it happen with food as the catalyst.
1: And I think what what's so great about having her tell her story, especially on this first episode, and what I ultimately hope that this series really shows is that there is no one right way, and we're hoping that as we speak to more people, you will see all those different roles and how it all comes together and learning from those other people and that way you can make something of your own. But the most exciting thing about today and the, the culinary media landscape, especially when it comes to video is that there's more opportunity than ever.
3: 100% agree, Com- incredibly lucky to know her, to have worked with her and to get to hear some of her stories here today.
1: April, thank you for letting me come on this journey. I know that when I, I reached out to you, I was like, hey, I think you have something here and uh, where can I help but support? Bring this to life, but I'm really excited. Me
3: too. Thank you so much, Darren, for being my co pilot here. Thank you to Heritage Radio Network for helping us produce this beautiful series. And to all of our listeners, please check us out on Instagram, the Culinary Call Sheet, or shoot us an email with any of your questions that you might have for the series so we can see how to further shape this as we go along.
1: Yes. And also, please let us know if there's any aspect or tenant that you want us to dive into. Um, Obviously, we know that people are very excited about talent and being in front of the camera. But if you want to know about food styling, if you want to know about shooting, writing, post-production, I mean, even how to run a day of, of making a stand and stir to out being in the field... Look, you let us know. Thank you to Heritage radio network.org. We really appreciate you being a partner in this series and looking forward to calling up the culinary call sheet next time with all of you. This
0: show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash
1: subscribe.